Why, it was amazing there was no official law and order party. Almost overnight, there was. Almost overnight, the law and order party had a presidential candidate. He was a businessman named V. Dano Drake. A day after V. Dano Drake declared his candidacy, Mr. Peter Enright, national chairman of the Knights of Vigilance, issued a brief statement to the press. The Knights of Vigilance unqualifiedly endorsed Mr. V. Dano Drake. Television stations immediately began planning documentaries to answer the question, Who is V. Dano Drake? Many Americans already knew. He was the guy the Knights of Vigilance thought was okay. If it was good enough for the Knights, then... Democratic and Republican politicians knew who he was, too. A threat. The first third-party candidate to actually have a chance in the November election. The three Democratic hopefuls took up whistle-stopping, Harry Truman fashion, in an attempt to surpass Law & Order Drake. In Lawrence, Kansas, one said, Criminals must learn that the sword of justice is swift and terrible. Translated into the vernacular, law-abiding citizens don't have to take crap from anyone. In Beloit, Wisconsin, another said, Capital punishment must be reinstated as the only viable answer to heinous crimes. Translated, We should kill the creeps. In Hattiesburg, Mississippi, the third said, Beat em, jail em, string em up. You good old boys were right all along. Translated, beat em, jail em, string em up, and long live the Klan. The Republicans, being the party in power, had tremendous advantages not enjoyed by the Democratic would-bes. The president was free to address the nation on national television. The gates of Wonderland opened to the public at nine in the morning, but many visitors came much earlier to ensure themselves a short wait in line. A very battered car pulled into Blue Level, aisle 3, space 479 of the parking lot. The driver appeared drunk as he staggered from the vehicle, leaning against the door frame, then the hood for support. He did not turn off the motor, as the car had been started by the crossing of wires and not an ignition key. The walk to the ticket line seemed to take forever. The shaking man bumped into a lady who looked like an elephant in green Bermudas. She turned around angrily, the instamatic camera around her neck almost swiping him in the mouth. Why don't you look where you're going? The fat lady demanded. Grrrr, snarled the man, from a twisted mouth that looked as though it had been especially designed to snarl. The fat lady's gelatin face turned a vivid shade of lime green. She looked at the horrible creature and almost screamed. Then she remembered this was America, where everyone minded his own business. Turning up her nose at the hideous man's stench, she swiveled. Eventually, he reached the ticket booth, found the necessary five dollars in a wallet that was not his. He handed the bill to the attendant, a teenager with a bright California sun, toothpaste commercial smile. Thank you, sir, she said. <sighs> he answered. After he went through the main gates, beneath the statue of Commando Wonder, he fell. He pushed himself from the walk, ignoring the onlookers, clucking their tongues and saying, Would you look at that? He threw himself into one of the red, white, and blue information telephone booths, dividing the land of tomorrow from the world of yesterday. 
A torn and bleeding hand dialed eight numbers in the proper sequence. The phone rang five times. When he heard a familiar, Hello? His bruised lips slowly formed the words, Better send out the cleanup crew. I'm here. I've got news. And I'm total garbage. He sank down, the phone wrapped against the glass walls of the booth. Red O'Mara's heart beat slowly and irregularly.